When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. News team, assemble! It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast right here from Soonerscoop.com Studios, where we welcome in the entire gang, including uh, Boppers Bill will be joining us. Uh, he's uh, grabbing his lunch right now. Uh, we're back in the studios. Uh, we will be having uh, YouTube soon with the unofficial 40 podcast. We're, we're, we're kind of full here. We got Eddie and, and George taking over YouTube right now. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, I know you're feeling it a little bit today as well because uh, you know after two days of practice and long nights of YouTubing, uh, it's it's a lot to take in. So I appreciate you guys uh, being here today. Uh, Josh McQuiston is back with us. Uh, he's being blocked by a camera right now, but we can see him. Um, anyway, uh, lots to talk about. But first, uh, well, one one piece of we're airing a grievance, I guess. Uh, but a, a massive congratulations to our own Eddie Radosovich. Uh, who it was announced yesterday, Lindsay Street will be back for open for tailgating. Uh, I don't. Th- that doesn't mean that we're going to have a sooner scoop tailgate. Like, like I know that's going to be the first question that everyone. Yeah, the last thing is we want to meet people and talk to actually <laughs> like get out and see people. That's the last thing that we. Yeah, we're happen. hermits. We like our studios and our YouTubes and our podcasts, and that's about it. Um, but no, congratulations, Eddie. And my bone to pick with you is I feel like Josh and I. We were your super PAC, but we haven't gotten any credit out of this thing. Well, there we funded uh, make Lindsay Street great again. Okay, well, uh, I mean, thank you. See, no gratitude whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did all, I did all the late, I did all the legwork. This isn't about me. I shot all the video. Well, I mean, technically, there was other people involved. Did this not get into that? But. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I would say that most of the, uh, the legwork, most of the campaigning, most of the, uh, you know, tour stops, mm-hmm. uh, I had to do. So yeah, it's, it's the a big Iowa win caucuses for, and all that. Right, right. And you know, all of, uh, you know, I, I was the one in front I of mean, the cameras George, talking about abortion. George, <laughs> George pestered Joe Harris and Joe Castiglione. I pestered Joe Castiglione. Joe Castiglione was so ready to be done with me and George, uh, because, he wanted it known that it wasn't his decision, and he was he was very adamant about that the entire time. He told both of us when we had asked about it, like he, it was kind of like, "Hey, go ask the university. My hands are tied. Like I I don't want anything to do with that." Yeah, and that's when I, I started emailing the university about it and FOI requests and all I was, that. Yeah, I was requesting things. So I I don't know. Maybe I I feel like I should get yeah some credit. You I should come back, get some credit. I start Mr. banging credit on the hog door. over here. No, I mean Eddie. I I will say, I obviously it started out as a bit when Eddie did that, cause I was in school when it happened, but I do think it turned into people started to realize that the tailgating scene was not what it needed to be. Right. 
And uh, well, and it was the first time around when they announced that they were going to have all this private tailgating. Yet Lindsay Street was like they came out with that map that had everything zoned where you could tailgate, and it was just very apparent. Like we don't want you anywhere near Lindsay. Like it had been zoned off. Just it makes it even a bigger bullshit deal that they were hiding behind this idea that it was going to be unsafe for people on Saturdays. Yeah, I mean, it, look, there there used to be a parking lot right where the honor or the uh, university college is it university college is that what they call that? So uni- university, residential residential college. Yeah. Uh, but like so it, it would it was a lot easier. You could just pull up your truck, you could dump all your crap out and uh, there was a parking lot behind there for, you know, people to straggle around and beers and all that stuff. Uh, and all of a sudden those became David Boren's crowning achievement building the residential colleges. Uh, Eddie was even there when RJ got poked in the chest by David Bourne for questioning uh, a report that I had on Sooner Scoop. Um, but like, that come was to find thing. out, he probably wanted to do more than just poke. You know, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, allegedly, so I should say that three more times just to make sure. Yeah. Allegedly, he's still alive. I think he still has. He was a lawyer. He could he could waste his time just. I might get Epstein. Uh, anyway, so, but yeah, there's plenty of room there. I mean, all they have to do is fence off a little bit. Like, don't go beyond this area, but like to the sidewalk and to the street. I mean, if you block off that street, it's plenty of room. People don't live there anyways. That's the other thing is, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's it's probably more full now because you, you knock down one of the towers. You got to put the kids somewhere, but I I don't, it It was all stupid. it, It was, but it truly like, and like you said, George, it started out majorly as a bit. But From I the think brain that, of Eddie Radosovich. yeah, I but I do think that it comes down to a point where you're bringing everybody in on game days and you're bringing people in from Alabama. You're bringing people in from Tennessee over the next couple of years uh, with the move to the SEC. You're bringing in recruits and they all enter through that south end zone. And I think it's about presentation. It's about the champions walk is going to be awesome. Now. Yeah, it's going to be great. And I, I mean, it was cool before, but it's going to be just flat out awesome. I, mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that this happens with Brent Venables as the head coach. I think Brent. Had I don't it. think that's it. I don't think that. I don't it. know because it seems like he. I mean, he was pushing for this. To he, me, I think when they started taking the trips to the SEC, yeah, realizing how much bigger a, a game day atmosphere people had, I think that woke a lot of people up. I mean, they're talking about leveling campus corner and rebuilding it yeah. to impress people for the SEC. And like, they need to. Like the the infrastructure around here is terrible. I'm talking about bars. I'm talking about stuff south of here that it just it and I mean that this is another endeavor, but like the contract that they have with Bud Light where they have the gates up and stuff and you can't yeah. even walk through campus corner anymore. Uh, it's those guys basically holding everyone hostage for 60 grand a year. I'm yes. Told. There's three people that feel like they need to make decisions around here. Well, it, it's over for them. Not just their decision-making their lives. I like our landlord. I don't know. Eddie's fired up today. No, that's good. I mean, no, they're there. I think everyone would agree. Would agree. Campus corner is not as good as it it's could be. Dead. Yeah, it is dead. Campus Corner is dead from what it used to be. But here's the thing, though. Here's what you have to realize. Was Campus Corner made for anything other than undergrads? I mean, everybody still experiences Campus Corner the way we did. No, they don't. There's not enough bars. Yeah, when I went out 
this well, last you guys had May, seven. We had different. brothers back in my day. We had I had, I had brothers. brothers. I had yeah. brothers. And Chimmies. I mean, was great. there were other places other than, you know, and, and I, I know that there's a lot of people that love Logies, and I think it's a great bar. But at the same time, it's like you need more spots. Well, if and, Logies is the best bar, that's and I like Logies a lot. But if Logies is the best place to go, like I'm, and I'm an all the way down to when kids come in on unofficial visits and stuff, it, it's just different from what it used to be. And I think that the presentation could be much better uh, if everybody just worked for like a center central cause of making it better. But there are people like I re, we've talked about this before. I remember back in 2010, 2011, they wanted to level some stuff around here and build new bars and build apartments and get people back into the campus corner feel of things. And it was turned down because they didn't want to cover up a chapel on a church. Like, that's just well, that, that was the parking ridiculous. garage thing, too. Yeah, it would have been awesome. It is. If you're not used to coming to Campus Corner, you don't know what the hell to do for parking. And now you got to go to those machines and get yeah. a ticket and put it on yeah, your I've car. Seen multiple people. And parking enforcement. They're terrorists. Like giving the uh, giving the bird to, uh, you know, all the meters out there because you can't figure out how to use them. I know. It's just like people will stand out in front of our office like. They're discovering, you know, tools and as apes for the Which first time. Which I don't time. understand because it's always pretty simple. You just put the money in well, the machine, it, the right? The card readers don't work very oh, well. Oh, it's the so, card reader stuff? Yeah. Anyway. I guess I'm the, one of the only people around that, like, carry around loose change to use for a meter if needed. You can't do that anymore. Yeah, you can. They don't take change. The ones out here. The ones that straight in front. Those okay. those probably are cards. The ones further down, I, I don't are they think card you only. You just have yeah. to punch in your... You gotta put it in. You gotta know your license plate and all that crap. It's yeah. Who? So you go do it, and then you have to run back to your car, and make sure. Okay, this is my license plate. Then you gotta go yeah, back. Nobody to ever it. remembers the license plate number. No. I have no idea what mine is. So anyway, uh, moving on to uh, bigger and better. It, things. It, it is a big win, though. Big win. It's yeah. a big win to get Lindsay Street back going. Uh, and you know. Now, will you go over there for before the first no, game? No, probably not. Well, maybe before the first game, but... Just drape yourself in the flag and... I mean, it'll be bumping at 11 a.m., which is a different story in and of itself. By the way, you need your flags. Uh, go Soonerscoopstore.com. Get yourself uh, these fantastic flags. You've seen them on our YouTube channel behind Eddie and George. Uh, also, shirts right now. Use that promo code, We Did It, and you'll get 20% off your Lindsay Street gear. So Yeah, we're running out of shirts. It's going fast. So it's only while supplies last... They're going fast. They've gone fast in the past, and uh, I know we've uh, we've gotten orders since we've been sitting here. So. Yeah, good, good. All right. Uh, so I know we had a uh, a YouTube video on the uh, the recruiting situation, but uh, Josh has just been. And I know you guys said last night on the YouTube show, "Let's move on." But um, I guess we just need to revisit this. We don't need to, you know, live it. All you know, thirty-minute version of it. we already did, did that. But Josh, after all the dust has settled, uh, anything of note that really stands out to you about the Williams Noary situation? I mean, obviously, addressing no. the Georgia thing is what most fans uh, are up in arms. I, I know I got an email mad at you, wanting me to do something because you didn't know that OU wasn't you know wasn't even second. And I'm I mad just at you ig- too. I ignored so that, that, that person. They, they, so. We we can empathize together. That that person can send me angry emails. That's fine. Um, you know, I, I think that is. I mean, those are the two lingering conversation points. The reality that he said he chose, you know, Missouri over Georgia. Um, and talking to some sources, I I think that surprised everybody. This isn't just 
you know, myself and some other reporters being caught off guard. This was this that wasn't an answer that Oklahoma expected. And again, you know, I know people say, oh, well, you're just listening to the Oklahoma sources. This is what Tennessee thought. This is what Missouri thought. Everybody other than Georgia. Georgia is the only place that thought Oklahoma was, or excuse me, thought that they that Georgia was in the top two of this recruitment. Um, now, there is a piece that I think is interesting, and it's something I've seen brought up, that perhaps this was about um, that there was a presentation of Oklahoma and Tennessee being up in that chase to continue to push Missouri's NIL offer, to continue to up that number and get that running because Georgia was very upfront. They weren't going to even try to compete on the NIL front. So maybe that was the deal where it just got to a number where even Williams had to say, okay, you know, I like Georgia. I like what they have to offer, but I, I, I've got to do what's best for my family here and pick Missouri. That's, that's the only way that it can kind of make sense to me um, and work on both sides. But, I, I don't see that. And then the whole situation with um, Jamar Mosey apparently being told two weeks ago, and I, I get, I mean, people can get mad at him. He's got to keep his word to uh, Eli Drinkwitz. Like that just has to be the case. So, uh, like I said, I, I think those are the two things that OU fans are kind of left lingering with. And we'll, we'll have to see. I, I don't have any anticipation that Oklahoma is going to walk away from this recruitment. But then you also have the Missouri state law of September 1st, um, you know, getting NIL. I guess there's nothing to say that the kid couldn't just walk away from that deal. I mean, uh, you sign a contract, you leave the school. I mean, you want outs in the contract, too. Like, if you transfer, you quit, you know, we're not going to pay you anything anymore. So, I mean, I guess he could still walk away from it, even though that date is there kind of that, that people are paying attention to. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing that it's a little ambiguous in the letter of the law. And again, I'm, I, you know, Sooner Scoop legal expert here is, is far from what I can claim to be. But reading that law, it just says a contract with the school or a, some sort of, you know, official documentation, which everybody, I think, initially assumed meant his national letter of intent. But there is the financial aid agreement that a lot of guys, I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence, one of the first guys we really remember signing that. And it let, you know, and really it was used largely to open communication because it takes down a lot of the, they can only contact a player once a week. You know, Clemson did it so that they could talk to Trevor Lawrence as often as they wanted to. Oh, you did it back in the day with filled the, in. Doriel Green Beckham because remember yeah. that day when we all heard he was in town and we all, that was, Eddie's mm -hmm. got famous for hiding behind the bushes and we That's had right. to, uh, <laughs> actually purposefully shoot from behind the bushes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and people thought it was. You Kel know, Gundy we, we really and uh, Jay Norvell. Jay Norvell, yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. we, like, literally ran up to his car and, uh, like, we're like, how is this happening? Like, this is supposed to be illegal. But he signed a financial aid document that meant that, you know, the dead period didn't, you know, count or didn't well, have effect or whatever. I And you guys seem to remember it that way. I thought that all happened during his transfer period when he was leaving yeah, Missouri. It did. it did. He was right, coming right. down here. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying, though, but that allow okay. It was I got a non-contact. Because obviously the transfer rules yeah, are, yeah. It was a non-contact mm -hmm, mm -hmm, You're right. session or whatever, period. And because he signed um, that, it, it let him do stuff that other kids couldn't do. And that's, like you said, but, that's become more and more common now. Yeah, and, but and as we talked about back then, Kerry, the thing that people misunderstand about this is Missouri can 
you know, like through their NIL and through the way that state law is written, if that is that a, if that is a valid and binding agreement, then they can pay him NIL, you know, starting on September 1st. The problem with that is, is it doesn't bind him to the University of Missouri. So they could until he signs the LOI, whatever yeah. ungodly number. Yeah. And then he could still sign with Georgia or Oklahoma or wherever else his heart may desire. <laughs> Just take a bunch of money is, from Missouri yeah, and then I mean, sign with somebody else. Not, that it, that, that agreement is not legally binding for the player to the school. We're joking about it, but there will be people out there that do something like that. Oh, it's that coming. really I, screw over a school. Yep. By taking money from them, knowing they're never going to spend a day on campus. Yeah. Like that's, those Mm -hmm. are like the next steps of NIL that I don't even think the NCAA, they'll be so late uh, to react to something like that. They'll be caught off guard completely. And, and, and they'll say, well, we just never thought that something like this would happen. When in reality, everybody's saying that it's going to happen. Everybody knows it's going to happen. They're going to have to have like a Hawaii rule for Missouri where like, you have to you remember that, Josh, like they made a rule like you have to yes. have legitimate interest in going to Hawaii. You can't just take mm. an official visit to Hawaii. Uh, just screw well, it around. They're going to have to have like you like Missouri. It, this, and this is on the legislature, le, the legislators, because they put this thing in place. But, yeah, you're right. I guarantee there's going to be guys that are opportunists or they're they're trainers or their handlers or whatever. They're going to say, OK, let's start the negotiation. And once they get to the right number, they'll say, OK, we commit to you knowing that they're still going to be talking to every school out there. Well, and, and that's the whole deal. Like, I mean, you know, um, you, I, I hate to take up for the NCAA here, but this isn't the, the NCAA is going to say, no, your dumbasses did this. Like you right? made these yeah. rules where you took the power away from us and this is what you're going to get. And I, you know, it's, it's legislators trying to win points with the universities and with the fans in their own state, you know, all the voters, I get why they did it. Like I, I, I understand, but this is the backside to that. This is, this is the stuff that you didn't think about because they just wanted to rush these laws through. And Missouri wanted to stay competitive with Arkansas and Oklahoma and some of the other states that have passed these kind of pretty broad NIL laws. Well, and the other part of it is, you know, when are kids or their representatives going to start demanding, uh, okay, I will sign with you, but I want a four-year guarantee of payment regardless of where I end up my college career. And and I think you'll have mm-hmm. lawsuits, people suing universities over this stuff. I mean, this thing is just getting started in terms of you're getting, like, you've got to, what is it, that, what's the saying? Uh, you don't wish for, or you don't always want what you wish for or whatever. I mean, like. Care, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Like, you're putting yourself in a terrible position if you're if you're a university with some of these state laws. Well, and because the universities also they don't want to get into the legal they don't want to start suing players because they know what that looks like. Yeah, you, no. You're chasing around a little high school kid who didn't do what you wanted to do in recruiting, and now the next kid's gonna see that and say, I'm not even messing with those guys because they're gonna sue me if it doesn't go their way, even if that's not a fair representation of what happened. That's the general assumption because the schools will be made out to be the boogeyman. I guess it is a situation, though, that this has been happening for a long time. We just know about it more probably because the money is out there. Uh, well, I think yep. we'd all be, you know, like people dropping bags of cash. Obviously, like you're never going to get that money back if a kid that ends up somewhere else. Like but even Tennessee. the Nico stuff at Tennessee and then the kid at Florida. I mean, the quarterback. This is definitely much, much bigger money, right? I don't know. Wasn't Nico's like $8 million or something? Well, I'm yeah, just saying no, in no. terms of the, what today's 
NIL landscape is is probably much more than a couple thousand that, you know, whoever would get back in 1970, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Well, and it's it's relative too because it's not the it's not just the aspect of okay, it's a lot more money. There's less to go around. Like 5,000 or 10,000 for a corner, you know, 25 years ago. Okay, fine. But nobody was making a million. Well, think so about now it. it's just like the, think, the numbers have just grown. Josh, think about it. I mean, I think we all probably have seen Pony Excess. Like, it was such a scandal that Eric Dickerson, Dickerson got a car. Like, that's the most anybody got paid was a, a vehicle. Like, now you're talking about being able not just buy a house, but a luxury house. I mean, you're talking well, about it, being able to buy a second house. For some people, this is, you know, generational wealth. Yes. I mean, we're talking about setting up. Well, not I mean, generational just wealth is generational wealth for sure. any people. Well, for some people, I, it might be. Different. I want to. I want to say. You know what I mean. And as a, <laughs> and as as an ode to one of our sponsors, I'm pretty sure at Eskridge, in order to na- land Williams Winery, would donate a car to that recruitment. I I feel confident. I think Ed that would. is something yeah. He, he would. Yeah. So, uh, it, but now, I mean, that's that's peanuts, man. It's nothing compared to. I mean, I, I said it before, and I think most people kind of get it. I mean that. There, there is a there's a very real possibility Williams Venary clears more you know roughly three million three million dollars in his time at Missouri. That is That's an insane. absurd number for insane. one player. Yeah, I, it's it's just crazy. Um, and I and I, I, I it's one of those things where I get it from both sides. Like I get the argument to well, you got to get those guys to make the difference and blah blah. I also get at the same time what that can do to a locker room. When you have a bunch of kind of veteran guys that aren't, you know, A, let's just be honest, aren't worth that, and B, aren't ever going to make that. And they've got to accept that this young kid, who has a world of talent, I'm not trying to shoot him down at all, but that, that's a that's a real poison pill if you're not real careful about it. Josh, that kind of leads into a question that I've been getting quite a bit lately that I I really don't know the answer to in terms of your Oklahoma now. You were going to allocate – X amount of money towards a William Winnery. Do you go back to a David Stone? Do you go back to a Nigel Smith, a, a Dominic McKinley, and say, hey, we actually have a little bit more we would like to present to you in terms of an NIL offer? And like that's a really fascinating question now is in terms of that. And then on top of like how much do coaches go into a position meeting and say, and I, I don't know if any of us know this. <laughs> And say, we have X amount of money for this position. Like, are they just allocated with, you get this amount for this position and you have to start like almost working a, uh, like a salary almost for all of these guys mm-hmm. through NIL. I'm sure some think staff it works like do, that. but I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't see Brent really getting into that. I mean, yeah, I think it's more of a, they less go, you know, the more, you know, the, they yeah. go, Hey, we got to get this amount of money and they go to whoever right yeah i think it might be like it's like getting into a bidding war it's like hearing what missouri was offering winary and and saying if we want to be in the game we have to be here yeah and i'm not saying that that goes through brent but it goes through someone because when i was talking to people and you know kind of saying wow i can't believe that missouri's offering this type of money like i think that they were blown away by the amount and obviously for a semester of school you know 750 or whatever it was it's it's insane almost and i think that goes back to what we talked about on the podcast a couple weeks ago 
just in terms of like, is the payout even worth it? Even getting him to get to campus? Like, are you paying enough to like, is it, is it just completely worth it to spend that type of money? And what are you getting out of it? Like, I almost think that for Missouri too, sure. He's a Kansas city guy. It's a big deal getting uh, Williams Winery, the football player, but the press that comes with it, the labeling of we have the number one player in the country committed to our school, like that in itself might be worth two fifty. I don't know what the number is. I have I have another question I wanted to get to, but uh, all this recruiting talk brought to you by Enjoy Vision, our fresh perspective look around, uh, which we've been doing. And uh, if anybody uh, can tell by looking at the duffel bag being carried out by Williams Nawari, how much money he's making. It's probably Eddie Rodosovich because we all know he has perfect vision. I could see it all the way from Columbus, and I could see uh, the stank face of douchebag Eli Drinkwich. Enjoy Vision is the best laser vision center in Oklahoma City. It's not even close. The combination... You have a problem, George? <laughs> no. <laughs> the combination of mind-blowing technology... Are you a uh, Missouri informant? Is that where you wanted to go to journalism school? Uh, possibly. I can, I can see that smirk yep. on your face. Mind-blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care was life-changing for me. What they're doing for the unofficial 40 listener, they're giving out $400 for LASIK. So all you got to do is go to enjoyvisionwithme.com, use promo code U40. That is for any unofficial listener, unofficial 40 listener that is interested in LASIK surgery, which was very easy. They give you a couple volumes. You're out of there in a couple hours with perfect vision. Actually, you they can gave be you one, but you just stole like me. One. Well, I sweet talk the nurse and God love her. Enjoy vision in J O Y with me.com. Use promo code U 40. Enjoy vision. This is where you lace it. By the way, I believe in truth and advertising. Uh, what you said was that they'll give you 400. That's $400 off. They're not, you, you don't get to get the LASIK and $400. It would be cool if they gave you $400 and you could use that. <laughs> well, since they for do your give you $400 vision. off. So you're right. saving $400. Fair. Yes. $400 off LASIK. Now, are you leaving? I thought you were going to gonna say you used Well, Bob's going to come meds. sit down. We, I'm doing the media tour, okay? All right. Uh, no, I, Josh, I, I, I did want to ask you this question because I think in the age of NIL, it's interesting. And I know that you know, OU has wanted to you know, have their sole mission team more involved in some of the things with recruiting, and maybe, maybe that's just on campus, but there are still limits on who can actually recruit players, right? Like, call them, talk to them. I mean, you still have to have your, your official coaches, your assistants, are the only ones that are allowed to talk to players, right, off of campus. Well, I, I think, say, off of campus, yeah, there are, there are some stipulations. Now, if I'm not mistaken – Caleb Kelly, or, you know, just because you're talking about the sole mission, like, I believe he can make that call. But if that kid picks up the phone, that's the only call that Oklahoma can make that week. Like, for those that huh. don't know the rule. So, I again, and I, I'm about 85% sure that's right. But, again, it's still down to that same old rule of there's one phone contact per week in, in the open period. So, um that and that's where it gets shaky because I mean, yeah, you'd love to have Caleb Kelly in contact with those guys, but it's more of hey, you know, as you're hanging up with Ted Roof, give Caleb a call this week. You know, I think that's the way you kind of work around that. Or I'm gonna hand but, the phone uh, over to this guy. Yeah, a hundred percent, absolutely. I mean, there's ways to do it, um, but yeah. So I, I think that is um, 
that that's an interesting aspect of this whole thing. And I think that was something that, I mean, it, it is, it's something that's worked with a lot of kids. Um, I, I think maybe at times there has been a assumption that that was maybe going to be a bigger piece for a couple of these recruitments. I know Casey Poe was one I talked about a lot that really loved this whole soul program and how involved they were. And I think it maybe has surprised a few people that it hasn't quite been the closing punch that they thought it was going to be. And I don't know if that's still them just kind of getting the whole thing set up exactly the way they want it to, or if kids are just like anybody else and they want to see a little success on the field and then they can, you know, kind of buy more easily into the bells and whistles. Now, Josh, we're now two days removed from the decision. I know we're not worried about David Stone, who's expected to announce mm-hmm. August 26th. But do you think, I don't think, I, I, I don't think spooked is, is the right word, but do you think the OU coaches, the OU staff has a better idea of what actually happened with Williams and where there was a disconnect? I. I haven't really talked to anybody about it in like the last 24 hours. I will say in the immediate aftermath, there was genuine surprise. That I mean, and I don't mean so much that he picked Missouri. They they knew that that was a possibility. They knew they were that's the hill they were fighting against. I think the, you know, to steal a phrase from our old buddy Jeff Ketchum, I think the Georgia, you know, was runner up thing was kind of a gut punch. I think they felt like they had they were under the impression it was them or Missouri. And it surprised them a little bit. Um, so now what I think is interesting, and, and you know, we kind of talked around it a little bit a second ago, is does this just become a deal where Oklahoma says, okay, tough loss, but we're going to go allocate a little more NIL money. We've got all this that we were ready to kick into Williams, but now we can give a little to Nigel Smith. We can give a little more to Danny Okoye, a little more to David Stone, a little more to Dominic McKinley. And if I'm talking to OU fans, if you're in your right mind at all, you'll trade those four for Williams and Neri eight days a week. Like that, that's not even a question. You need the numbers, which is what I said about the Missouri thing that didn't make any sense to me. Go and get five, six, seven players for Missouri instead of this one guy that's just not going to be the difference in you getting into an SEC championship game. Like it, it, one guy's just not going to do it. So. Um, I think that's the interesting idea and it'll be interesting because I know Oklahoma wants to continue to recruit Williams from Aerie. So at the end of the day, they're going to have to find that, you know, whatever the offer was to make it competitive, they're going to still have to have that available if they want to try and sign him come December. What we'll see. I, I to me, I feel like nothing's really going to change in Williams and Aerie. If he bought into Eli Drinkwitz and that situation, what, what's going to change? I mean, they're, uh, say it goes badly. They fire a, you know, fire him and hire somebody new. Well, Eli's gone. The money's still here. The location's still here. And, you know, if you bought into what Eli Drinkwitz was selling after three years of nothing, what does it change if a new guy comes in and starts selling his promises? If anything, he's got a clean slate. So I, I would read that as I'm going to pivot to those four and do everything I can with NIL and recruiting and the relationships to sell those four guys on joining the two I've already got committed. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things came up after that whole deal uh, in terms of the future. And, you know, we I think all of us, none of us believe in Eli Drinkwitz, that he's the, the solution at Missouri. Sorry, George. Um, I don't. Um, <laughs> to, be, to be very <laughs> stop clear. Stop it, stop it. I do not. I'm not affiliated with him. Uh, so, you know, it is one of those deals like, does it open back up someday? And I just... I got to say, like, I, 
I'll just flat out mention names. I don't care. I mean, I feel bad like for Parker Thune because uh, he just seems to be taking this so hard. And I've seen some of the tweets that you know people have shared with me and things. He did kind of bring that on himself, but I gotta say, I've seen it happen twice now where people are wrong on commitments and they start blaming other people, and that shit's gotta stop. Like trainers, parents. That's that's terrible. You can't do that. I, look, I know what it means to break news. I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I think I've broken as much news as an OU beat writer as anybody that's ever done it. I know how to, to how to get stories, to how to be correct on stories. The Dalen Smothers things, like I had someone tell me that he had left the team. I didn't report it because I didn't have enough information. It was a very good source, but it was one source. And I told you guys, like, I need to know how DeMarco feels about this. Is he going to go back and try and get him? Uh, so, I mean, sometimes things just don't smell right and you have to have the chops as a reporter to determine what is bullshit and what is not, what, what is legitimate. And when you put your name on something and it goes out into the ether, you're, you're going to question yourself, no matter how hard or how well you source something, you're going to question it. And when it comes back and you get burned, it's on you. It's on you to get that you got burned. You didn't check with someone that you need to check. This bullshit of blaming and putting it on trainers and putting it on parents, that shit has got to stop. You're making the entire industry look like idiots, and you're making, you're making it harder on Oklahoma to recruit kids because of this shit. So just stop. I, I feel bad for you, kid, that you, you, you were wrong and you doubled down and you were wrong again, but my God, stop. Bla- grow up. Stop blaming other people. That's the most that I've ever gone after somebody, uh, ever, on anything. But I've seen it happen now twice from the same place, and it infuriates me. Well, because that makes it hard for people to trust us. Like, well, you know, like, what, what are, are these guys going to throw us under the bus, blah, blah, blah. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to get into individuals, that kind of stuff. But you just, man, I, I, I don't know. And the thing is, as you look back, like, even in the immediate aftermath, there were red flags, the canceling of the trip because he got grounded or whatever. And the, all the rumors that he was actually in Columbia, Missouri that day. I still don't know if he was or wasn't, but there is enough there to make you doubt how that played out, like to make you doubt whether that happened or it didn't happen or whatever. And I know people say, oh, the strong sources, strong sources were wrong on plenty of this. So, you know, we just don't know. And then he immediately takes the trip to Oregon. Um, you know, there, there was the conversation that, and I, I think it's been confirmed by Jamar Mosey that largely the family shut down any, re- any recruiting talk outside of the family over the last like two weeks. There, there's just red flags there. Cause all we'd heard is the family wants him at Missouri. The family wants him at Missouri. And then over the last couple of weeks, there's this huge pivot in his whole situation. He clearly, you know, he told, uh, our old buddy Gabe Diarman at power Mizzou, that he had committed two weeks before. I mean, there, there's just a lot of stuff that happened there that you're like, it doesn't, you don't have to work that hard to look back and say, okay, I, I missed this sign. I missed this. I should have done that. And that's me too. Like I'm not singling anybody out here. Like I, I jumped off the train the night before. Cause I just knew, I mean, I talked to enough people. It wasn't going to be Oklahoma, but at the same time, I, I should have seen it before. Like I, I'm not, I'm not bagging on anybody else. Like that's as much my miss as anybody else's. You know, it's a little bit like sometimes it also, and I'm not saying that Nuari is this way, but uh, in some of those misses that you've had, 
you know, throughout your career, and there's not a ton of them, but like most of those kids end up kind of being flakes that that are sending mixed messages and you know making it hard to tell what they're gonna do. Uh, I think maybe Tristan Lee's about the most normal person that you know tripped you up a little bit, or yeah. You know, and I think that was just you know let's let's just say what it was lying to coaches. Exactly. I mean, right. Yeah. If if you have the stones that- to lie to coaches. It usually says something about you and your character and, you know, your mm-hmm. ability to be great as an athlete. Like you're I, if you're going to lie to a coach, you're probably not going to work as hard as, as other people. I've said it before, but there has I've never seen such uni- unanimity. I think that's yeah, right. That's right. Um, between coaching staffs as the reaction of Tristan Lee, he had told multiple coaching staffs he was coming and then. And that he wasn't going to sign early. And then he signs with Clemson, doesn't give anyone a heads up. Like that was, there were people through, I like the, and the worst part was even if his brother had been the player that Tristan is, he, he screwed his brother. Cause his, there were people that like, I'll never recruit his little brother just because I can't trust anything I'm told. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I, yeah, I mean, you just can't deal that way. I Go think ahead, it's sorry. it's time to move on. I think, you know, we've addressed that enough. And like I said, I, I'm not trying to make this personal with anybody. Um, but, yeah, that just – you want to get me all riled up, you know, you can it, when you start hurting the, the business, basically. I will say uh, just very quickly mm-hmm. that if the beat, the OU beat ever breaks out into an Anchorman-style fight, you know, where they have all the right. different groups, uh-huh. I'll take Sooner Scoop any day of the okay. week. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously I will. Yeah. I'll have – take timeouts you know to catch my breath (laughs) more than the rest of you uh anyway uh by the way one thing that makes me happy to think about is restaurant quality shrimp at home uh primeshrimp.com go check them out great sponsors of the podcast p-r-i-m-e shrimp.com uh you can get 25 percent off your entire order of 50 dollars or more just using that promo code u40 uh, they've got all the different varieties of shrimp. If you like more of the New Orleans style, they've got the uh, New, Orleans, New Orleans uh barbecue. They've got the uh, the Cajun shrimp boil. They've got their signature seasoned uh, French Quarter Alfredo. Just go go to the website, primeshrimp.com. Uh, don't worry about all those DoorDash fees or Grubhub fees. Uh, just It's going to be shipping fees uh, that you're going to be taking here. But you're going to be at home in 10 minutes, boil boiled water, drop it in. You'll have a restaurant-quality meal. Put it with some... Uh, some rice or uh, maybe some grits or, or what, whatever you want with your shrimp, even quinoa for you sensitive folks. Uh, I think there's something more sensitive than quinoa, though, now. I don't know what that would be. I haven't. Eddie likes that kava place. I've never been there. Have you ever been there, George? Uh-uh. Never been there. Used to be uh, that Greek place. No, I don't know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but go to primeshrimp.com, and you won't have to get quinoa if you don't want it with your shrimp. So... Uh, 25% off. Use that promo code U40 uh, off your first order of $50 or more. All right. Uh, Bob is here. Uh, Eddie is out being a, a star. Uh, and you haven't really had a chance to give your impressions of, of camp this week. Uh, I know you're welcome to do a YouTube video anytime you want, by the way. I appreciate it. It's really hard to work around the schedule. Uh, it is. We, you know, we, we kind of just start falling asleep about 4 o'clock in the office, um, <laughs> especially today. I mean, everybody's dragging ass today understandable i certainly was this morning um but i mean you've you've seen what four practices now three uh and uh obviously 
it gets less exciting the more you go out there, I think. Uh, which is funny. Yeah, which is funny, but I don't know. What, did, what were your takeaways? Did you spend any time looking at one group over the other uh, yesterday? The, the final day, Monday, I spent more time looking at the receivers and tight ends and just sort of getting that scary feeling that if Austin Stogner isn't who OU needs him to be, what's going to happen to that room? Like, who can you really count on? How much will Jeff Levy just have to change the offense if Stogner cannot produce at a very high level? And the expectations for him seem just astro- just astronomical. Like, you need to be Braden Wills. Like, we can't exist as a position group if you're not as good as what Braden was last year. And I feel that's a lot for Stog to put to But to he's put not, though. He's not. Exactly. So I mean, we could say that, right? He's not Braden he, Wills. He hasn't been. And it, it, there's nothing to suggest that now he'll make that leap. He'll make a leap. But I don't know he can make the Braden Willis type of leap. And if he doesn't, then where you go from that room... And then the other thing would be offensive line. It's clearly sounds like it's better than what we first thought. And that comes from Brent Venables, comes from Jackson Arnold, comes from other uh, offensive players. I don't know what that means about defensive line, but that offensive line sounds like they had a really nice scrimmage Saturday. And perhaps it won't take till September or that first loss for Bill Beatenbow to really feel confident in those five in those five guys. You mentioned uh, Jackson Arnold. Got a chance to uh, talk with him the other day. I don't know if you were over there with him or yep. not. Um, I think the one thing, George, like throughout camp that really strikes me is like anytime someone gets an opportunity to bring up Jackson Arnold, they love talking about Jackson Arnold. I mean, and no one's taken away from Dylan Gabriel, but I think I think some of that is he's been really impressive. The other thing is, like, we're not going to have to go through a Davis-Bevel situation this year, no matter what happens. Yeah, and and you can tell just talking to Jackson, he's just very intelligent. His football IQ is very high, and he's just a guy that I think you watch him throw the ball and you can see the skill set. I mean, it's just different. Um, He already looks like a college quarterback. Yeah, and it's cliche to say, but the ball does come come out of his hand differently. Did you watch Hard Knocks last night? I didn't, but I I saw some of the clips of – the uh, magic show that they oh god that was there. terrible uh no but the the way that they were talking about the way the ball comes out of yep. Aaron Rodgers hand and the sound it makes like they ne- like everyone in the Jets was like I've never heard that sound before I don't know what that sound is but it's kind of like when you see Jackson Arnold throw it it's not about a sound but it's just a, a, a way he looks his delivery the fact that he's you know a, a big guy uh it's just you're like okay that guy's pretty special as a thrower yeah, and you know it, it's going to be interesting. Not, I'm not see. comparing him to Aaron Rodgers, so right? Right, and it's he's got some growing to do. I think that his decision making is probably still in a process. I know yesterday at practice, Peyton Bowen picked him off, um, and, and Peyton Bowen talked about that. And, and Peyton Bowen, by the way, is having an incredible camp. It sounds like I, I think he's going to end up on the field in some fashion. But yeah, I think there's just an excitement of having somebody behind Dylan Gabriel uh, this year. If Dylan were to go down, or if Dylan doesn't play great. Um, you know, I, I think that that gives people and especially those players a little bit more of a, a confidence boost, I would say. And what was nice about Monday, that last 10, 10 minutes we were out there, we actually got to see Dylan and Jackson actually throw the ball, not yeah. just these little rollout five, like little five yard outs. They were chunking it downfield and you could actually, for the first time, get an idea. Oh, this is why they talk about Jackson Arnold the way that they do. It's, and it's, it's hold throw- on a second. Yeah, Josh, Bob just crapped on uh, on drills where you get to see people move their feet. I I don't think we can stand for that at Sooner Scoop. 
I enjoy watching uh, the rollout routes and seeing how they throw on the move. Like, I, I, I would rather watch that than see a guy chunk the ball deep all day. I mean, we know they can throw well, it deep. But we've seen the rollout the first two, two, two days. And it's great I, every time. I want time. to see something different. It's and great I did. every time. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, George. Oh, I was just going to say, when, when Jackson throws it, I, I'm more impressed by the throws where it's across the field and it, it, maybe it's a, it's a five-yard out on the, other, the opposite hash. Those mm-hmm. are the throws that I'm like, okay. Because Dylan, I think Dylan throws a really good deep ball. He does, I mean, he, yeah. He, he's, he's usually on the money on some of those. Uh, it's those but a deep out, is, it, it shows the difference between the two. Yeah, and it, it, the velocity on it, the placement, it's just, it's just a little bit different from him. And so I, I think it's more about grasping the playbook for him and just learning those decision-making, understanding the speed is different. Um, even the, the throw, I mean, they, they put out the clip uh, that Peyton Bowen intercepted him yesterday, and you don't even see the receiver in the area. And, and I, I think Peyton came across the field to make that play. So just adjusting to those sorts of things is where he's going to have the biggest learning curve. Yeah, and I, like I said, though, no one's pushing the button of he may be the best guy. No one's saying anything close to that. It's just that you can sense the excitement, no matter who you're talking to, whether it's players or coaches, uh, they don't hold back in, in how impressed they've been. Now, you mentioned uh, wide receivers. I think probably this, this last week, the one guy that we've heard the most about and, and seen, you know, we did talk to him this week, but it's pretty clear Andrell Anthony is making a big jump in camp. Yeah, he uh, caught a couple touchdown passes on this, in the scrimmage on Saturday. He's running with the first team. He's just a guy that I think has a ton of speed, uh, and so he's going to be able to replace some of what Marvin did, which is stretching that defense, making those those plays down the field. It's going to be interesting to see how they use him because um, I, I know everybody points to the stats at Michigan, and, and they weren't great, but I think that's somewhat a product of Michigan runs a little bit of a different offense. Obviously, they, they run the ball a lot. Uh, their quarterback plays a little bit different. So I, I don't know why he wasn't super productive at Michigan. I think that's part of it. But he's, he's certainly a guy that I think is starting to emerge. The other one that I'll mention, and we've, we've talked about him a lot, but it sounds like Jaquiz Petaway, they had another scrimmage today. I think he had a pretty good day. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bob, I mean, you, you said you were over there watching wide receivers. I think with Petaway, I've been surprised at how physical he is for a true yes. freshman. Yeah, and that was from that very first Friday when we got to watch him. Like, wow, that's his upper body strength for a true freshman. That's that's going to work. That's going to be okay. That period of adjustment isn't going to be nearly as long as what I first thought. And it's it's been nice to sort of see some of those guys emerge because, you know, they're, they're not all going to be great. Like, some of them are going to rise. Some are going to fall to, you know, they're going to take a step back. But you're getting an idea of why they were so – why they went after Petaway as hard as they did. And to give credit to Petaway going from Kale Gundy, L.D. Washington, Emmett Jones. Like, he stuck with mm-hmm. this process – 100% of the way, and it sounds like it's going to pay off for all parties involved. Josh, is that surprising to you, uh, watching him out of high school in Petaway, that he appears to be college-ready as a, as a freshman? even with in, And that's a without little. him being in the spring. So, I mean, he came mid, he wasn't a mid-semester guy. Yeah, that's what shocks me. If he had showed up in the spring, I thought he was a guy that maybe could have fought for a starting role. Like, I, I really was a believer in his ability but as a guy, I mean, comes from a program that, you know, not not a big time program there at Langham Creek, um, you know, but has has lots of speed. But there wasn't a lot of refinement to his game. But at the same time, 
when I saw him, the thing that impressed me the most was just he isn't one of those receivers that's like aloof and kind of doing his own thing and, you know, you know, catch a touchdown pass and then doesn't. He was very engaged in the game and like kind of talking with his quarterback and figuring out how they want to do stuff. So he's clearly a guy that thinks the game. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that he's picking up on that aspect. But it did surprise me when you guys talked about like his size being better than you anticipated it being because I thought if anything was going to slow him down, it was just going to be corners getting physical with him. You know, an experienced guy like Woody Washington is going to shove him around and make him, you know, get him off his routes and that kind of stuff. But it sounds like he's doing that pretty well. And if that's everything else, I, again, I don't see a lot of ways that you keep him off the field with that receiver room having so many questions and his, his ceiling being as high as anybody on that roster right now. You know, it, it's unfair to say this. The, the comparison's unfair. Um, but you got to realize when he came in as a freshman, uh, I'll, I'll tell you who I'm talking about in a second. When he came in as a freshman, we all watched him out of practice. We were like, man, that kid looks pretty good. And he wasn't, recru- he wasn't recruited that highly. But just the way they move a little bit, he reminds me of a really young Mark Clayton. I could see that. I could see that. Um because, I mean, I rem- like I've told the story before, Mark was in my class my freshman year was a slight, slight guy. Um, but you could always move. And his agi- and that's the thing that and I he, think I sticks out. I believe he redshirted when he was a freshman. Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that sticks out to me, though, is how – because a lot of these guys are like the blinding speed. Like Brennan Thompson's very much this way, where Brennan is so, so incredibly fast, straight line. And I've been but surprised we haven't heard more about him in camp. He's been banged up. Yeah. Well, I know so. – I think so. He's had some injuries yeah. from everything I've heard. Um, but with with Petaway, he moves laterally pretty well. Like he he's not a guy. I mean, he can stop. He's got some stop and start to his game. When a lot of these top end guys, they're just I I don't know if they're tight hipped because of all the track stuff. Like they're just very north and south. But he's got more wiggle to his game than that. And again, if if he can handle the physicality and can stay healthy and do all those things, I. He he could be a kind of a wild card for this offense that I really didn't expect to be as ready as he seems to be. You know, I, I you guys you talked about it a lot in the the YouTube stuff about just about you know the receivers and and, and Anthony and and all that. I I just back to Stogner. I've always said this, and I, I I just think it's it's whether or not I don't even care you know how he is athletically, but. If he can develop a relationship with Dylan Gabriel, to me, that's the biggest you know thing that matters. Like, if he if Dylan Gabriel goes out there and it's third and five, and he trusts Drake Stoops, I think we know that. If he can get Austin Stogner and Austin Stogner can come along to gain that trust, it it would give him two really good options, you know, in, in third medium. And I just think that that's his role. He has to he has to gain Gabriel's trust more than he has to be a guy that's just beating people down the field. And he's got to embrace it. Because I, I know you you were one of his biggest critics when he's here the first time about being physical. Mm-hmm. And it's something he's mentioned. He's got to be more physical. It's something Jeff Levy mentioned Monday. I need him to have his conditioning up to go 80 to 85 plays, and he needs to be as physical as he's ever been. Because, yeah, that should be his role. You know, you're not expecting him to, be, to beat you down the field. But when you need those tough catches or you need that, that red zone grab – that's got to be one of your main targets every single time. And so we'll see if he's made that type of mental leap too, to where he's okay with it, where he's embracing the contact that's going to inevitably come his way 
with his type of size and you throw it over the middle. What's up with Llewellyn? I don't know, I heard you ask that the other day and you didn't get a very good answer. Like there was nothing reassuring about like well, oh he's going to he, be fine. He's he's coming he's along out well. there. Yeah. yeah. But it always feels like he's limited in a way, but we don't quite know if it's still the foot injury from before or is it something new? But yeah, I mean between Caden Helms being on crutches and Llewellyn, that's why it's like, you know, if you're Blake Smith or Cade McIntyre, this is your moment. Hampton Fay. Hampton Fay. Hampton Fay, Brent Venables went on, and, you know, Brent's one of those guys that I think you could, he could just go on about every single player, but he <laughs> unprompted went on about Hampton. He was just asked about the tight end room, and he just talked about Hampton Fay for like a minute, and I was just like, okay, I guess uh, sure. that's a guy that's <laughs> going to play, um, you know, and he's got, he's got good size. Now, he played. Tied in some in high school, is that right, at Alito? Or did he play just quarterback? No, and then he transferred, right? He, he was a quarterback. No, he did. I, I, I saw him play. I saw him play. Uh, he was playing with Jace McClellan and, um, oh, the receiver that went to Alabama that's now back at TCU. JoJo uh, Earl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, I, like, I, I remember you're like, that's a big old dude that can move around. Like, I didn't know who he was. He was just a little – I think he was a sophomore at that point. Um. And you know you're like, well, that's kind of interesting. But he's he's a he's a good athlete. I don't know if he can play tight end because you know at that point Alito was just basically handed off to Jace McClellan and you know watch magic happen. So, um, but again, there there's I can see what the thinking is. Like he like guys that big and that long can absolutely play. They just don't have bodies there. So those guys no. are gonna yeah. those guys are gonna have to play. I mean, a Blake Smith is is the second tight end. He's gonna have to play. And, uh, and he McIntyre's needs to be better play. than Daniel Parker was last year. The, the, yeah, the room could be a mess in a hurry. And I, th- I think yeah. you're going to see more Guys, of I mean, them run four wide receivers and one tight end. Those type of sets. Go ahead, Josh. Sorry. No, no, I was going to say if, if Devon Mitchell could move two classes, is there much <laughs> doubt he'd be in the two deep? Like, no, I, don't I, think I mean, that 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 room is. I would say that's one of the softer rooms I can remember. And I mean, I don't mean like soft and like they're not tough guys. Like I just mean like as far as there's not much there from a health standpoint and an experience standpoint, like that's got to be one of the lesser rooms I can remember in, you know, my time covering Oklahoma. And it's interesting because they didn't, it didn't seem like they went too hard after guys in the portal at that position, did they? They got Blake and they like, all right, we're good. And Stog, I mean, obviously. Well, but, yeah, but I mean, I mean, I thought they would get one more, and because Smith I, wasn't even a scholarship guy, right? At A and M. No, no, not, uh, was he? I don't think he was. I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Um, I need to look that up to be sure. But yeah, I mean, guys, we've said it over and over again. I mean, all Oklahoma had to do was show Jake Roberts true interest. And Jake Roberts is on this roster right now. Like, I, there's not much doubt in my mind. Jake's a kid I've known since high school. And, uh, you know, I won't say that he said that verbatim. But, like, we we talked about stuff, and he definitely seemed interested. Um, By the way, I want to – And then wanna, that would have – oh, go ahead. No, finish your thought because I, I, I wanted to move on to a couple other sure, things. Sure, sure. No, I, I was just going to say, I mean, and if you land Jake, the whole thing with Nate Roberts goes differently from the start. I think it's going to work out fine now. But, you know, you're, you're tied in for the next few years. It's probably pretty much handled between Devon Mitchell and uh, Nate Roberts. Uh, Dead Soxy, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. I want to get back to some recruiting stuff. Uh, but first, I wanted to tell you about 
Uh, Dead Soxy, it's a great time. Uh, brand new Crimson Collection has been introduced. You got to go check them out. Uh, boy, we are two, two and a half weeks away from the start of football. Uh, you want to make sure you have those socks on your feet. Uh, looking OU proud, and uh, go check out the Crimson Collection. Uh, like I said, a lot of new really cool socks uh, in that collection. They did a great job designing them. Uh, and if you use the promo code SCOOP, you get 25% off your entire order, even if you get the, uh, the, the packs, which are always discounted. So you get like the four-pack or the eight-pack. Uh, you can still get your Sooner Scoop discount. So go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Uh, the, we can't speak highly enough. I mean, the, no shows. I, I can never have enough of those. I keep ordering more, uh, and they're great this time of year, uh, especially when it's so hot. Uh, and then, like I said, when the season gets here, go check out that uh, Crimson uh, collection, and uh, uh, just they'll be, you'll be proud to wear them on game day, and your feet will feel better. So deadsoxy.com, go check them out. Uh, great sponsor of the pod. We appreciate their support. Uh, okay, we haven't talked about recent uh, commitments, Josh, uh, since this started, and the Nate Roberts news, uh, the decommitment from Notre Dame. So let's let's go over some of that stuff, and uh, because there has been some good news, I know Winery took away a lot of a lot of uh, things that have been positive lately. And you've muted. And yourself. I muted myself. <laughs> yes. Yep, got it fixed. We can see um, it. We can see you mute yourself for the first yep. time. I know. Isn't that amazing? Um, no, uh, you know, I, I will say. Just as a quick plug here, if you haven't heard me talk about Nate Roberts or the Jaden Nickens decision, go subscribe to the YouTube uh, feed, our Sooner Scoop YouTube feed, because we have talked about it there. Yeah, just go um, to youtube.com slash Sooner Scoop, uh, and please subscribe, because we're putting out videos all over the place. Uh, do we have some breaking news, or did your computer just break on you? Uh Anyway, uh, we're putting out all kinds of content. We're working on getting Bob's stuff straightened out as well. Uh, but George and Eddie have been going on there and doing uh, exclusive shows just for the YouTube community. Uh, we've got the studio up and running. Uh, we've even, we'll even start having some more recruiting stuff with Josh. But go subscribe, youtube.com slash Soonerscoop. Uh, hit that notification bell, and you'll find out every time we release something new. Yeah, so... Um, but you know, with that said, I, you know, we'll start with the, the decision of Jaden Nickens, the wide receiver from Millwood, um, such a, a guy that, you know, Emmett Jones had made a focus since early in his arrival. Uh, we all know how special I've talked about that 2025 class is in Oklahoma and Nickens is another guy. I mean, you know, once they landed Grayson Harris and then they got Elijah Thomas, Emmett Jones can then start to go to these guys and say, Hey man, we're running out of spots. We might have four. If you want one of these, you're going to have to move. And I think that's what happened here. And I know, um, uh, you know, Eddie and Bob were at his announcement and he kind of talked about just coming back from a trip and kind of came to that decision. And that, that may well be how it played out or when it played out, but there's no question. He knew that. I mean, there was a chance if, if Oklahoma was what he wanted, he was going to have to pull the trigger and that's what he did. So I, I think, again, you're just seeing the impact of Emmett Jones there and what he brings to the recruiting table. And at the same time, um, this is a guy that, uh, again, is six, two, six, you know, maybe a little, maybe around six, three, really nice frame, super long, got a basketball background. So he's very good with spacing and understands how to create some room for his quarterback to work in. And I thought at camp showed a little more burst than I had seen from him previously. So I, I like what he brings to the table. And um, I just, you know, with, with him, there's 
there's also the rebuilding of that relationship at Millwood, where I think Oklahoma had struggled there for a long time, where they really just hadn't had many wins. Um, The other in-state story is obviously Nate Roberts decommitting from Notre Dame. That went public yesterday. Uh, I mentioned, you know, the YouTube feed. We talked about that being a possibility in the williams Winery pod. Uh, a couple of nights ago that I thought that was on the horizon. And about 12 hours after we recorded that, it it finally went public that he had decommitted from Notre Dame. Um, I love where Oklahoma is. I think that's that's going to be a, a situation where Oklahoma won't let that slip away twice. And I think there was so much juggling on the Vaughn Mitchell situation because, you know, every, Oklahoma was kind of waiting for him to, you know, make it clear and make it, you know, obvious that he was going to be part of 2024 and then they could turn their focus to Nate Roberts in 2025. They went ahead, did that. And, you know, now it's clear those two don't have to compete for the same spot or do anything like that. And now Oklahoma can kind of um, really put, put their eggs in the basket of Nate Roberts and they're working on some other tight ends. I don't know if in the right situation they might take two because there's, two or three that they're really, you know, high on that are very good players have been to Oklahoma numerous times that they might try and bring in another guy just to have another big talented at, you know, athlete, which, you know, what we were just describing in the tight end room, they could use more of those bodies in there, especially healthy ones. So I, again, with him, I think it's, I think it's a matter of when and not if, um, it's just going to be what his timeline is. You know, Josh, you mentioned Nate and, we were there, Jaden Nickens. He said he wanted Nate to be a part of the class, and Kevin Sperry was on hand for the commitment. We've seen the summer videos of Nate and Kevin all working out together. Was that as big of a factor as it feels like, or is that just happenstance? Oh, I don't think there's any question. There's an impact there. Because, um, you know, I, I mentioned it. I, I can't remember. I don't even remember when, but we were discussing something, and I mean, there's no, it's not coincidental that almost every one of these guys that has gone, that went to OU's camp and, you know, caught from Kevin Sperry. I was going to say throw passes, but they're not throwing any passes. Um, that just worked out with Kevin Sperry. Those guys are all almost committed at this point. Like that, there's very few exceptions amongst Oklahoma's top receiver options. So I think that is a tremendously good sign. And it's, it's a sign of, you know, what a lot of people said about Caleb Williams and said, you know, about Spencer Rattler, like, oh, these guys are going to recruit. And then Kevin Sperry's doing more of that than either of those guys did. So I, I think that is interesting to note um, that he is clearly a guy that, while he doesn't have this big, brash personality, you know, or even not even brash, just, just doesn't have a – he's not one of those guys where – he walks into the room and, you know, you know, he's there. Like he doesn't have that kind of vibe to him at the same time. Guys clearly like him. You know, every, every recruit I talked to that's dealt with Kevin just raves about him, you know, like, Oh, he's super low key. It's cool. Like there's no, it's not a lot of pressure, but at the same time, you know, he makes it clear, you know, this is why I chose Oklahoma. I want you to come with me kind of thing. So he, he walks that fine line, which I think gets overlooked sometimes by fans. They, they want, every guy to be the raw, raw recruiter. And that just pisses some guys off. They, they don't want to hear that crap all the time. They don't want to deal with it all the time. So I, there's a fine line to walk, and he seems like he does it really well. seems like we talk about this every – hey, Josh, I'm back. It, it seems like hey, we talk – Hey, buddy. What's happening? We talk about this <laughs> so much, but 
it is important, and I think it's because Brent brought it up from day one. Could things be going any better right now for Oklahoma in-state? And especially when you take into account what this 2025 class is. I I don't, I mean, you and I don't think, all right, let me start over. I don't think so. And I think it is incredible how well the timing worked out for Oklahoma sure. to really kind of, you know, 2023, they were playing catch up. You know, they, they were able to close in a few guys, you know, Eric McCarty, that kind of stuff. 2024, it felt like they've really got their ducks in a row, even to the point of, you know, landing some of these in-state guys to the preferred walk-on roles. You know, the Liam Evans kid from yeah. Moore, Bergen Kaiser from Edmund Santa Fe. I mean, really, really good preferred walk-ons that have scholarship offers elsewhere are coming to Oklahoma. And then, you know, you get Josh Iasosa from Edmund Santa Fe. I mean, they're, they're it's not just that they're doing a good job landing elite guys. They've now got a relationship in state where you're getting less and less of these guys who are mad because they didn't know where Oklahoma stands. And I think, or excuse me, where they stand with Oklahoma. And that is a, that's been a problem for years. We all know it. Oklahoma would try to pivot back to an in-state guy. And that guy was like, I haven't heard from you in three months. Like, we're not doing this. Like I I'm, I'm committed to wherever it may be. And I'm going to stick with that. But now you're seeing this where, okay, hey, look, man, this is our situation. This is where we are. Oklahoma just being very honest about what their situation is, and that trickles down to other guys who aren't in those situations. The Elijah Thomases and the Jaden Nickens that Oklahoma wants and wants badly, but they know, hey, these guys are shooting me straight. Like, I really am not going to have a spot if I mess around here for too long or – you know, they really do want me and I want to go ahead and commit. So let's get this done. So uh, again, I, I think they've done, it's, it's an amazing job. And I, I, I wrote a story probably a year ago about Brandon Hall being a big piece of that. Um, being a, a local Oklahoma guy, I think it mattered to him to be a good in-state recruiter. And it shows because he really has rebuilt a lot of these relationships in the state. And Oklahoma has been so much more present than they were in years past. And that includes, dealing with trainers guys like sean cooper that you know in spite of all the crazy rumors from a few months ago there's still a good relationship there everything is is as good as it needs to be and you know there are there's a better understanding of who the point guys are who they need to be talking to at these schools this this might be premature but that 2025 class i think we're going to look up in a few years and if things continue to go the way that we think they might under this regime I think we're going to look up and say that 2025 class is the one that, I don't know, changed the direction of the program, but we're going to look back and be like, that's a group that... Well, it, it's just, ultimately, I mean, you talk about importance of going and getting the top recruits in the country to come yeah. to come and play at Oklahoma when you're going to the SEC. I, it, it just, it as good as that group could be and already is as incoming juniors, it seems like that's, it. maybe it is the turning of a tide. And if you can get uh, eight nationally. to ten in your own back backyard, exactly. sure, exactly. that's what's amazing. Sure, it yeah, sure. Never, don't know if it's ever going to work out like that again. But it is absolutely it, kids lining that, up that way. Kids that know what the University of Oklahoma is and grew up watching them, that, that, that I think that those things matter. I know it's not the same, uh, and, and you we we can get into that. But like I, I don't know. I just there's this feeling that if they can get these guys that we're talking about. And like Bob said, kids that grew up in Oklahoma and understand it, 
I just feel like it's we're going to look up in a few years and be like, that's that's the class that kind of changed the tide. Yeah. And Josh, we'll take a step back to 2024, but stay in the state. Devin Jordan released his top five. We've seen OU kind of rack up the commitments. Now Jordan has his top five. Where does the Sooner stand here? Is he still a legitimate take? Is he still someone that Brandon Hall and Jay Belay are still going after in a very heavy way? Yeah, my impression is that Oklahoma is absolutely still a contender here. They they are, you know, this is a guy that I, you know, and it's funny because you talk to some people around Tulsa and you get very different reviews. There are some that think his his potential is just sky high. Like he he could be outstanding. And there are some that's like, I just want to see more. You know, I don't know what it is, but I, I think Oklahoma definitely buys in to the former uh, of those two arguments. They they like his potential. Very long, athletic guy. Um, you know, for those that have missed it, put out a top five of Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, TCU, and Alabama. I I think Oklahoma is going to be tough to beat. I mean, we, we've seen OU through the years at Tulsa Union. That, that I don't think there's any school in the state where they've had a better hit rate. Like they, they usually get who they want at union. Um, the Alabama thing is a bit of a wild card because it kind of depends on when you're having conversations and who you're talking to, how much Alabama is ready to push for him. I think right now he's kind of a secondary option and, you know, pun intended, I guess. Um, but there is, if, you know, if Alabama tries to push down, we all know Alabama can surprise you at any given time. So I, 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 you can't go to sleep there. I know at one point TCU was very real in this recruitment. I, that's not the vibe I get right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, he is a quiet kid. So some of this is connect the dots a little bit. Um, but my impression is if it's not, OU, it's probably going to be because Alabama made a big run and kind of surprised some people. So we'll watch and see what happens with him. Um, I know, you know, we're hoping to have George speak to him here in the new f- near future so uh, he can probably provide some insight. You know, we'll have George really getting in the recruiting. I love it. Hey, but, I, um, I love some uh, Friday Night Lights. I guess it's Thursday night. Thursday Night Lights this week. Yeah. Then you got some Friday Night Lights next week. Yes. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It, I, it is wild that I, it's the nuts. high school season begins yeah. next week. I mean, and, and it really, I mean, that's, and you've got so many guys, and, you know, Bob, you may want to get into some of this, where you've got a lot of guys that are coming down to decisions at some of their games, you know, like Nigel Smith at his home opener. Um, you know, Andy Bass is coming around to his. David Stone's going to make an announcement at his game on August 26th. So you've got a lot. It's, it usually doesn't play this way. Right? I, I remember weird, thinking right? last year with it's... McCarty Vickers. Yeah, like, <laughs> remember McCarty Vickers did his before his game, or I think at halftime of his game yes. last year, if I remember yep. right. Yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, that's really unusual. That's kind of weird. And now I guess maybe that's the new trend. You know, guys saying they want to get it done before their senior year. Well, they're literally right up to the minute it, yes you know minutes before yeah exactly is there any added pressure uh on the david stone situation considering and i don't know if you guys have talked about this just as far as him being so damn important now that you're out on williams winery i mean added pressure in terms of a decision for the kid like I, i'm sure that he has to feel that right oh uh he has to. I mean, like, and, and he is. And is that David good or bad? Is a I, smart I don't know. kid. That you, you. That's that is a variable. I wonder a little bit about Eddie. Like, how does he respond to that? Is that a? I 
knowing David, I think that's more spotlight for him. And I think David enjoys that. So right. like I, I, to me, I read that as a good thing, but it's one of those things. Like I, you know, I said to you guys the other night when somebody asked me, you know, then they were talking about, you know, can OU afford David Stone, you know, with NIL money. I was like, can they afford not to land David Stone? Like, I, I don't, he's almost that guy where I'm like, I don't, I don't care what the number is. If you, if you physically can do it, you do it because you just, you can't miss guys like this. You can't miss the message that sends to a guy like Danny Okoye or, uh, you know, a guy like Nigel Smith. Those guys all know each other. Like they're all familiar Williams when Mary knows them, you know, I mean, he's been on some visits with some of these guys, but it's not the same like Danny and David, like there's, they're in-state guys. They're more familiar with each other. David and Nigel have talked multiple times about playing together. You know, that's absolutely something that's a conversation that has happened, you know, several times. So if you can land him, maybe that helps you with those two. Maybe that helps you with Dominic McKinley. I mean, I, I and I think McKinley, of all the five stars OU was in on, I, he was always going to be the longest shot, in my opinion. Um, so, I, you know, maybe that doesn't help. But I, it sure is not going to hurt because you get to tell that guy, hey, man, you're not going to be taking on double teams your whole life. You're going to be inside there with another big-time guy. You guys can go and, you know, force them to make some decisions on the inside. So we'll see. But, I mean, I David Stone is – he went from, I thought, the guy that – was clearly the most important guy in this class to Oklahoma to just almost an absolute must get. What, what happens if they don't get David Stone? No, we're not we doing glue. We're not doing that, we run man. For the hills. Do they have to <laughs> shut the school down? I mean, it, it would be a massive blow and one that Todd Bates would have dug a hole that whether it's right or wrong, he would have to dig out of. Yeah. And I think yep. that it's, it's a situation that you really truly don't even want to think about if you're the Oklahoma staff right now. Uh, with the fallout from Williams area because there are still uh, very, very good candidates out there. It's just it would be you, it would be terrible. Like it would be a bad, bad situation that I don't think anybody wants to sign up for. I I know they're happy with Ashton Sanders. It sounds like he's made a good impression early on, you know, and that's that's great. Like, and he may go on to be a great player. The perception you can't two straight years go find. The little six foot one, two hundred eighty, you know, fire plug defensive tackle. Like you need a big win after chasing game like this. You can't miss David Hicks, David Stone, Williams, Winery. Like if you're, I mean, and that again, I'm not even saying it's fair. I agree with Eddie. Like I'm not saying it's a justifiable stance. But if you're going to chase game this big and get this close and pass up on a lot of other guys, you probably could have had. Man, that's. That you know, it's like I said, it's it's a big gamble, but again, I I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think they're going to reel in David Stone. I really do. Um, now, I absolutely reserve the right to change my mind, but there is there's nothing I've heard so far. I know everybody is so doom and gloom right now because of Williams and Airy. There's no direct correlation. There's no direct impact. Like it's just that five stars going to Missouri. Oklahoma probably gets their in-state guy and everybody keeps moving. That will be good news uh, when that day comes. And it's, it's, it's actually just kind of right around the corner coming up on the 26th. So, all right. I think that that is it, unless anybody has any uh, comments, concerns, criticisms to share. 
Nope. Bob, we uh, they did uh, release the non-conference they basketball did. schedule. I wasn't going to get into them. All right. It's cool Let's that go. they're it's cool they're playing a game over at McCaslin, but uh, you know, outside of that, I don't really have any takeaways from the a non-conference slate. It's cool they're going there, and then they've got some resume building opportunities. Not a lot of them, and, and only one of them is at Lloyd Noble when Providence will come to town. But you you're going to play Iowa. Seton Hall or USC in that multi-team event. You're going to play Arkansas and Tulsa again. You're going to play North Carolina in Charlotte. You've got to be, you got to at least go 500 in those, those type of games and, and then feel like you can do some work within the conference. It's still, it's, a, it's another nice schedule and that McCaslin game against Pine Bluff, that, that's going to be just a fun atmosphere. Just to kind of see what, what it's all like. It might lead to some backlash, like this is why the game should be here in the first place. But that that at least make it some something different compared to when Pine Pine Bluff was here last year and there was like two three thousand people in the crowd. It might have been five hundred. It might have been five hundred. Two thousand might have been inflated a little bit. Uh, Kenny Gajewski not making anybody uh, Ooh, happy around uh, Norman. I don't really have a take on that. I I what what are they supposed to say? They're pissed about it. I don't honest. think that I don't think honest. that Kelly Maxwell's move is comparable to Jordy Ball's move by any means, uh, because of the venom between uh, the Bedlam schools. I just I don't know. Let there, the uh, let the fans. There was the argue pitching about coach on Twitter. situation, which I know played into a role of her looking at other schools. We talked to Trace Ford Monday. It's like just ignore it. You know, I know it might be hard. Ignore all the hate that will be coming your way. That was his advice. His advice to. Kelly Maxwell on how to try to handle going to the other side of Bedlam. And for those that didn't read it, he, Kenny basically just said it's going to be hard for her to be ever welcomed back into the program as long as he is there. That sounds ludicrous. Like he kind of changed his, tone, his, his, his tune from when she first hit the portal where he was gracious and said, you know, she's done a lot for us and we wish her the best. And I don't know if he didn't know initially because we all sort of – thought is going to be OU right yep, from the yeah. jump. Maybe maybe he didn't know that it was just supposed to be OU because I thought that was him trying to soften the blows. Like, I get it. One of our all-time greats is going to OU, but let's be let's be cool with it. But now, like a month later, much different reaction. I'm sure Doug Gottlieb will be in Norman to pick up her letter jacket eventually. All right. Well, Josh, we appreciate it. Uh, do you have anything uh, anything more to add this afternoon? Muted. You're muted, Josh. And they'll do it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I, it does oh. It does make me feel better being able to see it. See it, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that I haven't just left the mic. Yeah. Right. Um, I will say this is the second straight week we have promised Doom Pod and not given Doom Pod. And uh, that's uh, I think a YouTube I, we're going to pissed off people about that. Yeah. Too much yeah. Cool yeah, exactly. That may be what it is. Like, we'll do, like, a YouTube Doom or something like that. We could probably do that. But, I know uh, that Georgia's already picking Oklahoma to win the national championship, so. False. Well, I well, mean, there's your doom. There's that's your, doom, your doom. doom. There's your doom. <laughs> now, All right, Eddie, you're going to now, Carl Albert, right? Yeah. I'm going to Carl Albert tomorrow night, yes. Okay. So mm -hmm. that should be pretty good. I'm excited to uh, see the machine that is Carl Albert. I'm also excited to see the machine that is Washington as well as the machine that is uh, Heritage Hall. I mean, you're truly talking about three, maybe the three better programs uh, in the state at one spot on Thursday night. So that's going to be a lot of fun. 
uh, seeing Kevin Sperry spin it with uh, all of his new teammates, seeing Andy Bass run all over people, and then uh, obviously see the uh, the tight end duo of Cooper Alexander and uh, Nate Roberts. So it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It feels like football is right around the corner, and that's because somewhat it sort of kind of is. So, all right, boys. Well, thank you for joining us here on the Unofficial 40. We will talk to you next week.